Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete here on Wednesday, March the 16th, 2011. And we are set for a big, big show, Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Once again, I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, otherwise known as Sam Pete, to those who care to call me. Let me bring in my co-host right now. This is the only time that I'm really radio-y. I, I just it, it has to be like a big introduction when I bring this guy in. Like he said last week, like he's been waiting here for an hour and a half. Like I've been in the green room. <laughs> how are the snacks in the green room tonight, by the way? Yeah, a little stale. We'll have to talk to Hubie and see how he felt about the green room tonight. Well, I ate all the Ritz crackers. The RTU green room. See if there was any pate back there, <laughs> as uh, Martin Lawrence would say. Or a Sinbad. Sinbad would say, is there any pate? Let's welcome in my co-host, Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino. Caliente Calvi. What's up, Brian? Hey, Steve. Uh, hey. Yellow. Yellow. Hey. Yellow. yellow. Uh, we got a, a, a really big, uh, fun show uh, here tonight. We're live uh, from the studios in Bayside, New York. Dumpling Sound Studios. It was a nice day today. It's, yeah, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. Feels weird. Yeah. Feels feels weird. It does. Feels Always awkward. Does. We had a nice a day today. It's not Tuesday. Did you you thought it was a nice day today? It got nice out. It didn't start out nice at all. It did not start out nice at all. Oh. And it got nice out. Well, we got some <laughs> some nice spring weather coming. That's right. Weekend. No, for sure. Nice spring weather coming up. It's supposed to be in the 60s uh, tomorrow. Can you imagine? And just in time, Cal. Just, yeah. For you know what? St. Patrick's Day. That's correct. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, or Amateur Hour, as I like to call it. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and being of Italian descent, not too pumped up for St. Patrick's yeah. Day. Yeah, don't, you know, as the kids say, don't hate on it. I won't, Wow, what kids are saying that? I don't know. Are they still <laughs> saying that? <laughs> Maybe the grandkids? I don't know. That's, That's what <laughs> I uh I don't hate on it necessarily. You, you know what I uh look forward to, Cal? What? With St. Patrick's Day? Uh either the NBA teams and or the uh Major League Baseball teams with the green jerseys. That's always fun. Do you hate the green I saw the most hideous Met St. Patrick's Day hat. I forget it was on one of the blogs, maybe Amazing Avenue. Uh and it was so hit it was like a checkered green and black plaid. Wow. We're thinking of wearing for St. Patrick's Day? Hideous. 
You know, it's 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 so like the Mets to still work black into the color scheme because they think it sells. Yeah, I know. Even for a St. Patrick's hat. Speaking of what the kids are saying, yeah, <laughs> uh, nobody even says what the kids are saying anymore, let alone uh, has black to sell jerseys. But we'll get to the Mets, Cal. We'll talk about the Mets later. Yeah, we got okay, we, we got we got a ways to go before we get to them. That's right. We got batter fish to fry when it comes to the NCAA tournament, which uh, kicks off tomorrow at twelve thirty. Uh, there's playing games going on right now tonight, Cal. Now, before we even bring in our expert, our buddy, our NCA bona fide junkie, and he's a he's a guru, right? He's I don't know if he's a guru. I I've been using junkie all week. Junkie is definitely appropriate because he's like he is a little bit like a junkhead. He is, but but I would take advice from him as opposed to taking advice from an actual junkie. <laughs> You know, like I think he he has sound advice. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. So that's why junkie. I mean, he's junkie like, but I he's he's more of of a a guru or or savant, an expert. I like savant. That's good. Savant too. is hot. You know what? You know what, Cal? You definitely you wouldn't want a junkie filling out your brackets. <laughs> like you would. No. <laughs> Although <laughs> you never know. These things, you throw them up in the air, you never know how they're going to land. He or she may have an innate understanding of Wofford and their lineup. You you don't know. <laughs> Maybe they've watched every uh, every Wofford game this year. I may say Wofford 30 to 40 times tonight. Well, that's the most fun name to say, obviously. Yes. No, we're going to bring in uh, uh, Mike Huber, uh, or Hubie, as he's known around these parts, our good buddy. We... we uh, we're lucky enough to have him last year, and just for those of you who don't know, Mike is a, is a good friend of mine and a good friend of ours and listens to the program and stuff, and he, he really is uh, sort of a savant when it comes to the NCAA, Cal. We saw it last year with St. Mary's. Yeah. Uh, that was his big prediction, his big sleeper, uh, and the kid there. What's the kid's name? Sam Ham. What's his name? Oh, uh, the tall kid. The, t- <laughs> the tall one. Yeah, no, but I remember him. Yeah, no, but uh, he he uh, was all over him last year. So we're going to bring in Mike Huby in just a couple minutes. Cal, though, before we do that, yeah. let's let's inform the listening audience how as to how we are approaching the NCAA tournament. How this is going to work? That's right. Okay. Well, it's no secret. Steve and I are huge, huge sports fans. We know our fair share of sports. But when it comes to NCAA basketball, we're a little what, – what's it, maybe deficient? Deficient solid. Okay. Um, and just mensis do not. We love it. <laughs> we're, we're enthusiastic. We love it. We want to learn about it. But we don't know as much as, as, as some of these so-called experts – and I'm doing the air quotes – some of the so-called experts who you don't hear anything from them until the middle of March. And now all of a sudden, they're an expert on Wofford. That's correct. <laughs> they, they know all about Wofford and, and, and their defensive schemes and everything. So we're not going to take that approach because we're, it's silly for us to try to pretend that we it's have silly. that kind of depth of knowledge. Absolutely silly. We are fans. We have a lot of fun. We look forward to this time of year every year. It's called March Madness for a reason. And what we're doing is, is we're bringing Hubie in, our buddy Hubie, Indeed. who is the expert. And he's the one that's going to tell you about the what you need to know about the tournament. We're just going along with it, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. But Hubie's the guy that really knows what he's talking about. 
<clears throat> exactly. So we're we're gonna run with it. We're gonna have fun with it. Uh, we're gonna <clears throat> hopefully fill out my bracket on uh, ESPN.com, uh, and you can go to uh, www.rtusports.com, our website, um, and we should hopefully have it up. Our our crack IT department of one. It's an army of one. Um, I should have uh, the link up to uh, uh, ESPN, but it is on the Facebook page, so you can do the uh, RTU bracket challenge. That Dr. E. Ray Stat, who uh, will not be with us tonight, but um, uh, had a prior engagement. I don't know if it was a speaking engagement. He's taking on a lot now. <laughs> He's become sort of a personality, Cal. And I thought, you know, maybe it was a little over the top to start doing seminars for Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I thought that meant was maybe <laughs> a little much. But, you know, when you're a big star, you know, uh, what can you do? Listen, I, I, I could give him the advice that my daughter's future third grade principal gave us last night. Nice. Don't overschedule. That was that was it. That was the advice. Don't ever, don't overschedule your kid. Pick out the one thing that he or she likes to do and stick with it. Don't try to do too much. How much uh how much does that administrator make a year? I have no idea. Yeah. It's it's well that's good advice though. That's good practical yeah, advice. Yeah, it was really um, you know, very very to the point. Also, they <laughs> he, don't or she, he or she threw in don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs> and also don't eat yellow snow. These are all very practical. Uh, no, but Dr. E. Ray won't be with us tonight, but uh, he set up his tournament challenge. I think it's like the 12th year, and now anybody who's in RTU can get in on it. Uh, last year's winner, uh, Mr. Keith Negrin. Uh, I introduce him again as if he's the drummer from Journey. Uh, that's how we introduce everybody on this show. Well, we afford uh, them the respect that they deserve. That's correct. Uh, he is uh, last year's winner. So we're going to fill out my bracket in a little bit with Hubie. Uh, but, uh, oh, I think we just, uh, let's, let's call Hubie back. Um, but, uh, you know, Cal, it's, it's, um, it is March Madness. We, we get excited for it tomorrow. I, I, not being a huge college basketball fan, will tell you this. I love that Thursday. Like there's nothing like that Thursday when the games start. Right. The Thursday and the Friday. Right. Uh, both, both exactly. The you get the you get the day games and you get the whole thing and you know I just I I I love that Thursday. That Thursday is awesome because all of a sudden it's twelve thirty and games are on and you have something to do during work. Right. Uh, so and then when you get the perfect storm of St. Patrick's Day falling on the first day of the tournament, all bets are off. Exactly. Well, let's uh, let's take Hubie right now and uh, welcome him into the show, Mister. Mike Huber, NCAA guru. Oh, or do we? Or is this Keith in the? I, I think I think the junkie might be more accurate. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I really enjoyed the discussion about my uh, my the, the title that should be bestowed upon me. Yeah, we uh, Hugh, we didn't know what to do. Let's let's officially uh, welcome. Why don't we leave it up to him? Yeah, let's welcome you back to the show. Uh, I'm going to just let you insert into the blank. Let's welcome in uh, NCAA junkie, Mike Huber. Michael, welcome back. We've missed you. Are you there? Did we lose Hube? Oh, we lost him. I think we're missing him now. Did we lose him already? Hube, are you there? Keith is here. 
Oh, we have Keith Wilson. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we are clearly without Dr. E. Uh, tonight for this live show, and we've lost our NCAA junkie, Mike Huber, but we've gained Keith Lee Wilson, who wants to check in a real quick. A quasi-NCAA junkie. That's right. Well, a Wisconsin junkie. Uh, Keith, welcome to, the, yeah. welcome, to the, welcome to the program, buddy. Uh, and, and while we get Hubie back, Let's uh, – Cal, Keith wanted to tell us about his draft. We're going to talk about this in a bit, but Keith did uh, one of those drafts tonight where you do oh, a – Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Keith, tell us uh, tell us about this draft. Well, I had the first overall pick, which is nice, uh, except I, I, I was reminded that I had the first overall pick last year and came in last. So. Right. So not so – Not always a good thing. Right. Now, you know what happened last year? My first two picks were, were were Sharon Collins and Cole Aldrich. I doubled up on Kansas, the best team in the country. Did not work out. Now, how does how does this draft work, though, Keith? Tell people how it works. This is a, you know, it's a snake draft. So, you know, it's one through, this year there were eight teams, so one through eight, then eight through one. And you pick individual players, and it's based strictly on their point scoring totals. And once their team is knocked out, they are knocked out, and they can't help you get more points, obviously. Right. So uh, who did you wind up going with with the first pick? First pick, I, I had to go with with the best player on on the best team, Jared Sollinger from Ohio State. Excellent. Keith, hold on right there. We're going to bring Hubie into this discussion and uh, parlay this into a four-way, which I had once in college, but it doesn't count. Hold on. Here's uh, Let's bring in – is the junkie there? Do, do we have the junkie? Uh, yeah, I got, I got kicked off by some British lady. It was really, really humbling. Um... <laughs> For those of you who don't know – uh, what happens is uh, with Blog Talk Radio, uh, our you know our our, uh, our server here, BlogTalkRadio.com, uh, there's a British woman who does everything, and it's kind of <laughs> like getting your it's, it's like getting your directions on you know uh, TomTom or Garmin or something, and she probably just went to Michael. You are officially out and off the show. <laughs> so she might have even thrown a suck it in, suck it. Uh, anyway, Mike, Mike, welcome to the program. We got. Um, uh, Keith Wilson on the line, our buddy Keith, uh, who is telling us about his draft. He had one of those player drafts tonight. He just told us how it worked. And he had the first overall pick. He just let us know that he took Jared Sullinger. Uh, Hubie, welcome. March Madness is upon us. Jump right in with one of these drafts. Have you ever done one of these things? Uh, actually, I have not, believe it or not. Um, but but I, I would have to say that Jared Sullinger is as good, as pick, good a pick as any. Uh, to start the draft. Yeah, basically the way this works, Hube, is, is that you accumulate points, uh, you know, with the player as long as they're in the tournament. And it's just straight points. It's just cumulative points. Now, Keith, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you, yep. you went first overall with Sullinger. Who went second? Give us a little rundown. Second Where would you was, I, I, I could give you the whole first, first round rundown if you want here. Well, I want who, – Hube, who would you – if you were picking second, Sullinger went first, who would you take second, Hube? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I think you could probably make the argument for Nolan Smith, but but I think Duke is going to get bounced okay. somewhere before the Final Four. Um, so uh, I would probably have taken Ben Hansbro. All that right. would have been my pick. So what do you got, well, Keith? I, I could tell you Nolan Smith went number two. 
Nolan Smith <laughs> went two. All right, read us down. Read us down the first round, Keithley. Number three, Kemba Walker. Number four, Marcus Morris. Five, Kyle Singler. Six, Jimmer Fredette. Seven was Ashton Gibbs, and eight, last pick of the first round, Ben Hansborough. Wow, so Hansborough made it to eight. Now, uh, Hugh, if you were doing one of these, would you go for you know Jimmer Fredette is uh, maybe the best scorer in the tournament, but you know BYU may get bounced in the first or second round. Would yeah, you go, you go I, for I the guy you. that you think is going to stick around, or I would. That's the way I would do it. I would try to take the best scorer on the team that I think can make a run to the Final Four. I mean. You take Marcus Morris as an example. I probably would have avoided Kansas because they distribute the ball so well between players. They don't really have any one big scorer. They sort of spread it around. Uh, I guess you could argue the same for Notre Dame with Abramitis and some of the other guys on that team. But Hansborough has been scoring, I think, 23, 24 a night throughout the year. Their draw on the bottom half there is actually pretty favorable. That, that's the way I would have went. But you know, you you could certainly make an argument for for debt if you think BYU is going to make a run, and if you do, he's probably number one because he's he's going to put the most points on the board. But will he be there by the Sweet 16? I have doubts about that. Nice. Now, Keith, uh, before we let you go, this is really such a cool thing. Uh, why don't you I read our, uh, how many how many rounds did you wind up going, Keith? We we only went 14 instead of 16 this year. Okay, so you went so, 14, yeah, there, there so you are, are, with 14 guys. Players Yes, and you're picking players you've never heard of, you've never seen, and you're picking <laughs> players that a lot of guys do not know how to pronounce their their names. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. So, now how do you... me, I, you know I watch more college basketball than the average person, so I can at least like pronounce most of the names. But right. uh, not everyone, I will say that. <laughs> not everyone me... can, can do it. Give me your top six. And one of the reasons I'm fascinated by this, guys, is, you know, NCAA pools, like everybody does one. They're so commonplace. And, Hugh, we'll get into this a little bit uh, when we start talking about the tournament and stuff. But everybody does a pool, and it's like a – this is was like you were telling me about this today, Keith. It's sort of like an interesting take, you know, that maybe mm-hmm. there's a new way to, to gamble on this, you know, or, or to get to get something out of the NCAA tournament. That's why I was sort of fascinated by it. But – um, I agree, except for last year when all my players were knocked out by the third round. That was not – then this pool, not so much fun. When Omar Samhan from St. Mary's was my top scorer last year, not a fun and, pool. And had you listened to the show, you would have known Mike Huber, right here on this <laughs> a year ago, predicted that he would have the best tournament. He would be the player of the tournament. Well before the first round, so you would have known. <laughs> but, but Keith, let's be honest. Keith. No matter how you did in the, in the in the pool, it's always fun to have an excuse to draft anything, right? Preaching to the choir on that yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Cal and I were talking about like drafting the laundry. Like I'll do anything. I'll, I'll draft. <laughs> <laughs> so. Keith, give me your uh, give me your top six then, because we don't need all sixteen. But just give me your top <laughs> fourteen. Fourteen. Or it's fourteen. It's only fourteen. Give me, give me the top six. Well, uh, all right. The uh, last pick of the the second round, because it's a, a wraparound draft. I took Jordan Hamilton out of Texas. Uh, uh, I'm familiar. And then, with... 
and then first pick of the third round, I I doubled up on the best team and and, and I took the David Lighty. Smart, smart. I like where your head's at. Very good, very good. Who else you got? Then last pick of the fourth round because I had to get my my Badger and John Lore was taken. I got Jordan Taylor. <laughs> You're so predictable. I mean, you really are. <laughs> He's come on. He puts up 18 points a game when Wisconsin scores more than 33. Hugh, just so you know, A, Keith obviously went to Wisconsin. B, <laughs> I, I, I've been in a football league. We've been in – Cal and I have been in a football league with, with Keith for six years now. And if you ever want to really piss him off, take whatever best Wisconsin guy is available right before he's about to pick. Too, too bad there's a lockout. You can get Monty Ball on the Chief coming out. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Can't tell you how many times Chris Chambers has has just infuriated. Infuriated. Yeah, Evan, don't get me started. <laughs> tra- tra- Travis Beckham? Anybody? Travis Beckham? I think he had. Uh, it, it could uh, happen. Who'd you? Was it not Scott Frost? Um, who did you? Who did you have? You had you had a Wisconsin guy on your team that had no business being on anybody's fantasy roster ever. <laughs> um, that could could have been any number of people. Let's be honest. <laughs> so Keith, who were your last? Did you get any other Wisconsin guys? No, no, no. Just, just, I mean, once Lore and, and and Taylor were gone, I was not going down as far as Keaton Nankaville unless I hadn't gotten one of them, and then maybe around fourteen, I would have grabbed grabbed Nankaville. But right. just, just to have, you know, there is money at stake here, so it's gambling was legal. Bruzewitz just for the hair. Well, Bruzewitz uh, hurt hurt himself in, in the game against Penn State, or else, or else, you know, I would have thought about it. So he is questionable right right now. Keep that in mind as you are filling out your your brackets. So, so you would get zero instead of one point five points a game. Exactly. <laughs> He's a puzzle guy, though. Oh yeah, big time. It sounds like uh, it sounds. Like, I'm surprised you didn't take Wisconsin's coach. It sounds like. Uh, well, Ryan, I love him, but you know he's not scoring points. <laughs> uh, it sounds anyway, like then it, fifth uh, round, fifth round, yeah. I got Jeremy Lamb. Sixth round, Chris Middleton, Texas A&M. This was an interesting pick. Seventh round, I took a chance that will either be really good or really not, and that is Kyrie Irving out of Duke. Hmm. Interesting. So you so you gambled in the seventh round with uh, with a Duke guy, and that's that's again Keith probably playing towards the idea that you know they're going to stick around, and maybe he's a well, kid who emerges. Play, he's a kid who emerges, right? It's also it's also the idea he's coming back from injury, and we hope that he plays. So right, right, exactly. Well, it sounds so, like yeah. it, it sounds like it was fun times. You gotta you gotta call back uh, next week. Let us know how you're doing. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Keith. We'll talk to you down the line, brother. You got it. Thanks, guys. Let it. So, uh, Hube, uh, we got a little taste there. Uh, I know Keith called. Keith called early because he uh, he has a uh, an early call tomorrow morning, and I think he wanted to watch like Doctor Oz or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> can't blame the guy. What? No, you can't. I I don't. Cal, what do you want? What do you What do you want from me? He said he's got a he's got like a six thirty a.m. call. Keith right. is a uh, is a professional sound engineer. And uh, he's got like a 6.30 call or something a.m. And he's also got to watch Dr. Oz. Who doesn't? He has to watch Dr. Oz. What are we up against tonight? Are we up against America's Next Top Model? I think we are. We're up up against American Idol again. 
I know. I could tell you what's on in my living room right now, and that's uh, ANTM, my friend. America's Next Top Model is on, and I'm missing. But that's okay because Mike Huber is here to talk about the NCAA March Madness. What's up? It is it, it is maddening. I'm actually uh, watching the USC VCU game as we speak here, and it's nine six with about twelve minutes to go. It's a real barn burner. Right <laughs> Hugh, we got a we got a whole slate of things, so let's get right into it. Uh, and right off the bat. You you just alluded to that USC game, uh, a play-in game, the first four. Uh, they moved obviously from 64 to 68 this year with two or with uh, excuse me four play-in games. One wrinkle I liked, Hugh, was that they weren't all just going to be 16 seeds. That actually two of the play-in games were for 11 seeds, which I I kind of liked. I I thought when they first came up with this, it was going to be this idea like. You know, oh, you just play in for the 16 to get your ass handed to you by Duke, you know. Uh, I like the idea that two of the games are to play in uh, for the 11 seed. Are Out of those eight teams, Hugh, right off the bat, any of them can do damage? Um, for, for me, I, I don't think so, and that's why I'm, I'm less excited about it, to be honest with you. I thought it would be something really positive, and then when you sort of see the season unfold and, you know, you see UAB completely nondescript gets blown out by 20. Clemson toiled in a mediocre ACC. Um, USC sort of struggled early, got better late. I mean, none of these teams is particularly intriguing. I, I like VCU as a team. I did watch them some during the year. I do think that they have a chance to make some noise if they can win this game. They might be able to beat Georgetown. They played in a underrated conference in the Colonial um, against the, o- the ODUs. Uh, George Mason's a, ho- a very good Hofstra team uh, that was, you know, in 20 wins this year. So um, I-, I think that they were the interesting team, and they got cr- the-, the committee got crushed for putting them in because they, on paper, they really weren't qualified. They weren't one of the best 68 teams. They were probably just outside of that, and there were Colorados and Virginia Techs who got probably got jobs um, and should have been in this game, but um, the reality is, is that as you see it play out on TV, you know, really, you're waiting for Thursday to come. You know, you want to wait for the 12:25 tip-off. That's what you're excited about. You're not really thinking about these games. I mean, I barely watched last night. I'm watching a little tonight. But it, it doesn't really get me excited because I just don't see these teams making any noise. You want to get to the, you want to get to the good stuff. So, t- to me, I thought it was going to be positive. Maybe next year we'll be given another chance. But I, I, I'm not. I'm not crazy about it. I, for me, they just assume go back to 64. So you don't. So you don't. You don't think it would be better to go to 96 then, right? No. You you don't like the 68. No. That, I thought I thought 90. Uh, yeah, I, I thought 96 was completely overkill, and the, the, the thought of going to it made me sick. And, and listen, I'm <laughs> I'm no by no means a purist when it comes to anything sports. I'm open to change, you know, wherever it makes sense, but. 96, you're talking about putting teams in the tournament that have no business being there. And, you know, right now you're sort of on 64 draws, a very, very thin line, but a, but a, but an interesting one because you got, you know, automatic qualifiers who probably don't belong, but they're playing for their lives. Now you've got these extra spots. You know, even now to go to 68, you've got two or three more spots for those kinds of teams. Now you go to 96. I mean, you're putting teams in there that, you know, are, you know, probably – you know, 
17 and 15, 16 and 16, 18 and 14 in bad conferences. There's no reason for it. There's no reason for it. And at the end of the day, the winners of the tournament are going to be the ones who are in the top four four seeds probably across the line, and that's 16 teams really, you know, with outliers here and there, the George Masons, you know, 85 Villanova, et cetera. But I think going to 96 just completely waters it down. And I think that was a sentiment across the uh, – the relatively stodgy traditionalist, uh, you know, <laughs> media group. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you know they went to '68, and I, I, I'm good there. We were talking about '96 would just be ridiculous overkill, and it, almost like you know too much of a good thing. You know, like the NCAA tournament is is good where it is now. It's it's fine. Like I, I you know, two weeks of it is enough. You know, I don't need another like you know eight games. I, I just. Yeah, but, but Steve, Steve, when has has sports ever said too much is a good thing? They they try to squeeze as much out of it as possible. So mm-hmm. I think I I applaud the NCAA for not going to ninety six here. I was I was actually to be honest, I I was shocked. I mean, I, I think so much of this is controlled by the networks and how much money they can make. Now, I was shocked that they didn't go to ninety six just as a matter of course, regardless of whatever the dissent was. Uh, I really thought that they would go to 96 and really wouldn't give a damn what anybody thought or said, but they didn't. (laughs) And I agree with you on that. You have to give them credit. And I think what they envisioned for the 68 was, you know, two to four games. You know, I thought it would be four playing games for 11-12, which would be better. Um, But even still, you've got two playing games for for 11 or 12 seed. But I think what they envisioned was barn burners, you know, really good years with a lot of strong bubble teams and really right. tense games. These, this is a mediocre year with a lot of parity. You know, you've seen the stat probably that you know, there are five teams in the tournament with 14 losses and they haven't been, yep. there haven't been, you know, five teams with 14 losses, you know, basically in the last 20 years. I don't know what the number is, but it, it, you know, to point out there's so much parity, I think the parity is going to be good for the tournament once you get to 64, because you're going to see that, the 12s and the 5s are not that much different. The 6s and the 11s, the 4s and the 13s, very similar teams. Um, right. You know, in terms of, of quality, which I think makes it really interesting you're going to see, I think you're going to see a lot of upsets. But, you know, you know, these playing games, these teams don't really excite you that much. They're not big-name programs, and they're not particularly strong programs. So you sort of just you give it a snooze and you move on. But maybe next year it's different. Maybe next year it's a great year, and, you know, everybody's riveted by these games. Right, it sounds like they have the right idea, it's just the wrong year for it, for sure. But yeah, it, it's just I, bad timing, right? Because if, right. if this was a good year, these would be probably great games, and everybody would be like, "This is the best idea ever." I mean, it's it's benign. It's not bad. It's not good. It's still these are still decent games, and it's not overkill, so why not? But I don't think it's having the impact that anybody everybody thought it would have in terms of getting extra teams in and getting interest going and all that. Right. You know what surprised me, Hube, too, is that. Uh, you know, speaking of of the pools and stuff like that again, and, and and let's be honest, I mean, you know, the Super Bowl is well aware of how much money is spent on it betting wise. I think the NCAA tournament, you know, they know they they know what people are doing. They, this is the one pool, uh, the one sort of gambling thing. You're you're in a Super Bowl pool, and most people are now in an NCAA college pool and do a bracket. You know, the president does a bracket. Everybody does a bracket. And I was sort of surprised that when they went to 60, I was sort of surprised that I am sounding like Christopher Walken again, but I was, <laughs> I was sort of surprised that when I saw, no, that they went to 68 and they didn't really have a, a way to make the play-in games uh, 
part of the bracket. And, you know, like a, a lot of the, you know, we, we have a couple of pools going at work here, there, and everywhere, whatever. <clears throat> and you really can't finalize your bracket until tonight, like after the second play-in game. You know, so I, I, I'm just I'm just surprised that they knowing how much is gambled on it and knowing how big a deal the bracketology crap is. Sorry, I just hate that word. It's stupid. <laughs> you know, but knowing how big the brackets are and everybody does one, that you would find a way to make the play-in games work into it. But and I'm sure they will next year. But Hugh, let's go into let's go into the tournament. We were just talking about uh, the betting aspect. Now, Hugh, I, I, look, I don't want to tell tales out of school, you know, but I know you're a guy who, you know, occasionally maybe likes action. Mm, maybe. You know? <laughs> right. I, not, maybe, not, maybe, maybe, maybe once in a while this time of year. I'm very occasional. By the way, I just got a text message from Keith saying, uh, <laughs> my my shoot tomorrow is with Dr. Oz. Oh. With Dr. Oz. <laughs> that makes a little more sense. Right. Please correct that. No problem. Sorry about that, Keith Lee. That makes a lot more sense. I, I didn't. Although you, although you think he would watch Doctor Oz to prepare for it. That's correct. Can, can, you, can you can you text him back and get me an autograph? <laughs> He's still listening. So uh, Keith Lee, uh, Hubie, he, Hubie wants a Doctor Oz autograph, but not for himself though. It's probably for a friend. Uh, so. Uh, no, but, you know, getting into the lines and stuff like that, you know, I, I don't bet on pretty much anything. We've talked about that on this show. The only betting I do is really fantasy sports. But, um, uh, Hube, the lines are interesting because, as you said, there seems to be not much of a, a discrepancy between the 6s and the 11s and the and the 5 and the 12s and stuff. So there's some interesting lines. Watch it. The, the one that jumps out to me, you sent us a bunch of them, but I'm going to just jump on this one. Because everyone loves Belmont right now, and that's that's a four thirteen game, Wisconsin. And Keith, if you're still listening, try not to have a stroke. But that's Wisconsin minus four and a half against Belmont. What Hubie, why does everybody love Belmont? Is it because nobody knows where it is? Right. Nobody knows where it is, Nashville, Tennessee. Nobody knows who they are. Um they they have been consistently rated in the top 20 to 25 teams uh, throughout the year in, in various places. Um, uh, the RPI, uh, a, a, an advanced metrics guru. I'm not a guru. Ken Pomeroy is a guru. He's got them in the top 20. <laughs> they're, they're, they're an efficient basketball team. They they shoot the ball from deep. They, they, they generate steals. They maximize their possessions. Um They've played only a handful of games against good teams. They played Tennessee twice, which is weird, um, seeing that they're not in the same conference. And they played them within, you know, five, six points. Uh, and Tennessee's uh, an enigma, but they're they're a talented team. Um, and then they played one other game out of conference that escapes me, but they played them within, you know, a, a quality conference, power conference team within nine. And they've basically blown all their conference, you know, competitors out of the water. Um, and they, they like to get up and down the floor, uh, and, and they, they can score a lot of points. I think they're going to pressure Wisconsin a bit, and there are things about Wisconsin that make them vulnerable. That being said, my note to you guys was in, in prep for the show, I think that line is low. I think there's right. a, a, just an overload of hype about Belmont, 
and and quite honestly, I would say that 99 out of 100, no, more than that, 9,900 people out of 1,000 probably haven't seen him play. You know, maybe more than that. Maybe 9,900,000 out of a million haven't seen him play. So (laughs) I've only seen him play for five minutes here and there. So, you know, you're basing what you're judging them on, you know, based on what you read and you you hear and all that. It's all hearsay. Wisconsin's a top 10 type of, of a team from a power ranking standpoint, they're laying four and a half points on a neutral court to an Atlantic Sun team, which is probably one of the weakest conferences in the country. From a line value standpoint, Wisconsin's probably a great bet. You know, right. it, it is. I mean, you know, you're, you're sort of rolling the dice on a, on a team site unseen uh, against a, a known quantity. That, that being said, statistically, Wisconsin shoots a lot of threes. A lot of their points come from behind the arc. Um, that's a recipe for disaster. If you have a cold day, uh, you, you could get hurt, especially against a team like this. They don't turn the ball over, so that's going to help them. Um, you know, I, I, I think it should be a bigger line, so I think you could justifiably say Wisconsin is a strong play, but, you know, I picked Belmont to beat them uh, for a bunch of different reasons, and so, you know, that's the beauty of the tournament. You can sort of go either way, but it is interesting to see that these Four, thirteen, five, twelve, six, eleven games are within one, two, three points, and, and we can run through them as you guys see fit. But I think there's a lot of interesting stories to tell with some, you know, interesting teams that we could sort of talk through the, the thinking. Well, one one of the things that jumps out at me, Hubie, and again, not not being a huge college basketball fan, but um, last year's darling Butler made it to the national championship. They're in an eight-nine game against Old Dominion this year, and Butler is actually a two-point underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that one a little bit, and and will a lot would a lot of people lean towards Butler just for the sheer fact that they're an underdog? Um, well, I, I, I would say that that's, it, it, it is interesting. Butler has been under the radar. I mean, they lost Gordon Hayward, which is a big loss. They they haven't nearly been as effective this year as a team. They haven't performed against bigger conference teams. Uh, as well as they did last year. Um, they have a lot of the same pieces. Um, you know, uh, they, they, they've still got Sheldon Mack, their point guard. They've still got Matt Howard, their big man. Um, I, I think it's a fair line. ODU is a pretty good team. They have a big front line. They they offense, they rebound on offense. They, they, they've played some big-time competition. Um, I think ODU, uh, is, I think it's public perception. They're getting a lot of, they're getting a lot of buzz, and, and Butler has sort of been under the radar most of the year. I think you could see the line move late because people would look at it and say, hey, Butler's a national runner-up. We're getting two points. Why not? Um, right. I think it's a pretty even game that can go either way. Hugh, who is the uh, – who's – and, again, forgive my ignorance. Uh, I was probably on, like, Mets blog reading about the seven-second baseman. Uh, you know, but who's the, who's the coach at – Who's the coach at Old, uh, a coach at Old Dominion? Uh, the coach at Old Dominion is a guy named Blaine Taylor, okay, who I so don't not, know much about. It's not Ollie Purnell anymore, right? It's not Oliver Purnell, no. <laughs> um, I don't know where Oliver Purnell landed. He was at Clemson for a while. He was, he was at Clemson. That's right. Well, yeah. I, I know him. I know him well from the days at UD because when I was was there, he uh, and covering the team and doing he was a coach. He was the guy they brought in after Obi. Yep. After Jim O'Brien and uh, yeah, really good guy, uh, but I, I just always wonder where where Ollie landed. That was the first. That was the first sports Ollie I had in my life, and then of course Perez 
enter, Ali Perez entered my life, and things haven't been the same since. Hugh, I want to ask you about the, uh, uh, the this other line jumps out at me only because this team is getting a lot of play, a lot like the uh, Belmont boys over there. Nashville, you say? Yes, Nashville. Nashville, okay. Tennessee. Uh, Oakland, Texas, Texas, and obviously I have uh, family uh, very interested in 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 this uh, this conversation. I mean, my brother-in-law was uh, will will scout me if I uh, pick against uh, UT, uh, and my I think my son at three months old already knows how to do the hook 'em horns thing. I think he came <laughs> I think he came back from Texas and he knows how to do that. But why is Oakland getting so much play? cube and i know that i mean that's not a bad spread minus nine and a half but oakland's getting a lot of play well oakland has first of all has a legitimate first round nba player in their in their lineup keith benson who's a, a big man um very very proficient scorer rebounder um and oakland you know oakland has been effective and played you know, good teams very tight this year. Um, you know, they they lost to Michigan State by by one. They they play Illinois relatively tight, um, and they are you know they are a team that beat Tennessee on the road. So they've they've sort of got that buzz, and I think a lot of it is behind, is because of Keith Benson and and his draft stock, and 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 a part of it is the Texas side. Texas is sort of um, slid at the end of the year, hit a wall, if you will. Um, and I think those, the confluence of those two things uh, are making this a line that's artificially low, uh, so much so that um, uh, I think Texas would be a tremendous investment if you were so inclined uh, to, to get involved in that sort of thing. And, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. One is Oakland's an offensive team. They don't play much defense. They like to get up and down the floor, but – Unfortunately, Texas is the best defensive team in the country, which wow. even if you're not scoring, you're, you're, you're still stopping the ball. You're stopping, you know, you're, you're, you're playing, defending on the arc, you're defending inside. Um, they were probably the best team in the country for a stretch before they sort of got cold, if you will. Um, and, and they're just they're, they're, they're getting undervalued based on their, their late run, but I think that you're going to see a Texas team poised for a run. The other the reason the other reason is on the Oakland side. They you know they have played some some good teams tough, but they've also lost to West Virginia by twenty four. They've Oof. lost to they lost to Michigan by eighteen. They lost to Ohio State by twenty nine, which is no uh, shame. But 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 they have gotten blown out by the top tier teams. And I, I I think and they and they lost if I recall last year they lost by almost twenty to Pitt as a fourteen. Right. Um, and they were ten point underdogs. I remember that uh, specifically because that was a profitable uh, decision. <laughs> so, so, so I think you're getting you're you're, get, you're getting sort of a confluence of things that lead lead Texas to be a uh, a, a good play. Every, everybody's on Oakland, but I think uh, I, I think Texas probably makes more sense and something to look at a little bit more closely. Hook them uh, Hubie, I'm, I'm dying to get your, your opinion on this game and for a couple of reasons. Number one, my alma mater, St. John's, finally back in the tournament after 10 years. Um, so that's an intriguing game from that standpoint, but also from the standpoint of where the winner of that game will go. And in kind of like the pre-show notes that we were talking about, the winner of that, of that game could actually get past BYU and then Florida. So the St. John's-Gonzaga game, is that really – 
the swing game that it appears to be? I tend to think it is. I tend to think that who, well, put it this way. I, I think Gonzaga is going to give St. John's problems, but I think if St. John's wins, they're the team that's better equipped to make the run. First of all, BYU without Davies, they've got really limited presence on the inside, and you've got a St. John's team that can defend the perimeter. They're tough. They've got a lot of guys who are versatile, and they're, I think they're going to do a, a, a job locking up for debt enough to limit his scoring, and that, that's the difference. And then you, you get to the point where you play a, a way overseeded Florida team. I, I don't understand how they got a two at all. Um, you know, St. John's is probably a better team, you know, at the end of the year, you know, top to bottom than Florida is in my estimation. Um, right. You know, except the only difference there is experience. The Florida kids have been there before. They've been in the tournament St. John's. This is all new to them. But, you know, they they, they played in the Big East like they knew what they were doing. So I'm not going to worry so much about that. I, I think it is a swing game. I think Gonzaga gives St. John's trouble because of their size. They've got a seven-footer Robert Sacre in the middle. They've got, you know, um, you know Elias Harris. They've got, you know, Stephen Gray. They've actually got some some guys who've been there before. They've got some size. Uh, they've got John Stockton's kid, David Stockton, who's actually turning out to be a very good player. They've got a lot of pieces. They've got great coaching marks for you. I think it's going to be a real nail-biter. It's a close game. But I think St. John's has just had sort of the better – the, the better sort of pedigree for this, they, they've gr- grinded out in the Big East, uh, and they're hungry. Gonzaga's been there before. St. John's wants it more, I think, and I think they win the game, and I think they ultimately beat BYU, go on to play Florida or someone else on that side, and, and ultimately get to play Pitt. That's that's the way I see it playing out. But uh, listen, Gonzaga could beat them, and you know could, the, the run could be over, uh, you know, right off the bat. But could you see Gonzaga making that run also? I, I, I think I, I could. I mean, they they are they've been there before. They've played the big boys. I, I think the trouble they have with a team like BYU is is on the perimeter. Their 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 backcourt defense, their perimeter defense is not the same as what St. John's would bring to the table. They, they do put up points, and the last thing that they want to do is get into a track meet with Fredette and BYU. I guess the equalizer there would be that if they were. You know, the game plan was to get the ball inside uh, to Sacre and those other guys that, that it would be a, a tough game. Um, but I think it's it's not as good of a matchup for Gonzaga as it would be for St. John's. I think, uh, you know, the, these lines are super interesting, Hube. And I think the St. John's game, obviously, we've been following St. John's and talking about him a ton on the, on the show because Cal is an alumni and it's local and the whole thing. And and uh, I I really want to see them play BYU uh, in the second round because I want to see Jimmer Fredette. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, you know what can you say about a name like Jimmer Fredette? I mean, just I, I can't you can't wrap your head around how great of a name that is. Uh, and but B, you know, I, I again as a casual NCAA basketball watcher. Uh, I have not yet seen him, or, or I've seen little bits and pieces, little highlights here and there. You know, he went off for what, 52 the other day uh, in a, in a conference game. Uh, 52, yep. You know, so obviously I see Bill Simmons tweeting about him all the time. But I want to see the kid play, and I'd love to see him play in a game where I have sort of a local vested interest because 
since my Dayton Flyers lost to Richmond in the A-10 championship game and did not get an automatic bid and then lost in the NIT last night as defending NIT champions, uh, I, you know, I, I don't have a, a horse in the show. I don't have a dog in the race. I don't have a pony. Is what I'm trying to say. Any animal to race. <laughs> That's correct. So I, I'm pulling for St. John's. Like, why not? I love Lavin. You know, uh, I love that he has uh, uh, Keedy's hair on the bench. You know, uh, the, the finest hair in the Big East. Um, but, you know, I, I think some of these – I mean, that's an interesting line to me. Minus one and a half, it's essentially a toss-up game. And uh, I, I'm i not a betting man, but I think St. John's uh, – I think with Sean Evans kind of stepping in uh, for Kennedy, I, I, I'm yeah. reading good things. I, I think St. John's could go on a little run here. I, I think that's a good point you bring up. I mean, T.J. Kennedy is probably their second-best player, um, and, you know, and, and he's a guy that you'd rather have than not. The versatility, if you watch St. John's close, I mean, they've got seven, eight guys who come off the bench. Nobody's particularly big and nobody's particularly athletic, but they all can do different things. They're versatile. They can fill those roles. I don't think you lose anything by having a guy like Sean Evans play more minutes or, or a guy like Justin Brownlee who's highly efficient and no one talks about him get more touches. Uh, you know, so you, you've you've got that going for you. I don't think that's going to be an issue. In fact, I think it might be a rallying cry for St. John's. I think they may well, rally around the fact that. that that DJ is out. He's a senior. He's been the glue. He's been the best player on that team for th- you know three years now. You know, Dwight Hardy stepped up this year and really you know made a case for Biggie's Player of the Year. But before that, DJ Kennedy was the guy, and I, I think they're going to try and you know win it for him. And I think that when you get to the first game, I think that's going to work in their favor. Um, I also think, Steve, to go back to your point, and not to get off St. John's, but for debt, if you haven't watched them, it, it's a great point. You know, I heard it described the other day. I was listening to the radio, and I forget who it was who said it, but he's a kid that when he gets off the bus, he wants to pull up and shoot. He'll shoot from anywhere. In fact, <laughs> if you want to you know what kind of player the kid is, YouTube, go on YouTube and, and search for Jimmer for debt versus Utah. And when they played Utah this year, he took a shot from about half court, maybe inside half court from about 40 feet, pulled up, jump shot, you know, like you would from 20 feet, drills it, and he walks off the court, doesn't raise his fist, doesn't throw his arms up, doesn't say a word. He acted like he knew he was going to make that shot. The kid is an, he's an assassin. He's a killer. And you want to watch him play because he has no fear, he has no conscience, and he's that good that he puts the ball in the basket. You know, that's somebody you want to see play. And I think that's somebody you want to see play against St. John's because what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and knock him down. They're going to try and, they're going to try and bully him. And that's, that's, great. that's great TV. That's great basketball because he plays in a conference where, you know what, they're not trying to bully him. They're they trying to run up and down the court with him, which is not the, the exact opposite of what you want to do. And there's a lot of Mormons, you know, the Mormons too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Mormons. Mormons versus the Catholics, right? That's, that's <laughs> nice team, nice, very nice. It's, it's a holy war. That game is a holy a, war. Start making the T-shirts. <laughs> start making the T-shirts. Let's go to Jamaica and start selling those bad boys like they did in college, and they came down the hall. Let's let's wait till they beat Gonzaga first before we start jinxing anything. All right, yep. making T-shirts. True. True, very true. <laughs> Been waiting ten years for this. I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have that right next to my late night at Dayton T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Similar concept, yes. 
top ten things heard at Founders Hall on the back. Uh, all right, Gibby. Before we let you go, we want to we want to spin around the regions a little bit and get your thoughts on how how you feel it's going to play out. Let's start in the East. Yep. Well, in the East, I think you've you've obviously got the strongest number one seed uh, in Ohio State, um, and I think under under normal circumstances, you know, it's hard to go against them. But but I in in, in my brackets, I, I did I did pick against them. I am somewhat of an underdog guy, but I, I think that I like Syracuse a lot, and I think that that their zone, which is so active and so long, when you play a team against Ohio State, I think they're going to give them a lot of problems, and I think that Solinger gets neutralized by the size that they have in the middle, and the length on the perimeter is really going to give those guys a hard time, and everybody talks about the Big Ten, and the Big Ten plays defense. The Big Ten didn't play any defense this year. The Big Ten was was average defensively if you look at advanced metrics. So I, I think Ohio State wow. really. I mean Purdue. <laughs> Purdue is a good defensive team. Um, you know Michigan State is above average defensively, but but nobody's great. Um, and then the bottom half of the conference stinks. So I think that you know you sort of your, people traditionally give the Big Ten credit for being defensive and, you know, Ohio State's used to that. I don't think they've ever seen, I don't think they've seen anything like the Syracuse zone. And I think Syracuse's experience and their length is going to give Ohio State a hard time. And I think that they they knock them off there. I also think there are a couple of other sleepers to watch in that, in that yeah, bracket. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that, Hugh. We'll, we'll take each bracket. We'll do, uh, you know, sort of sleepers, upsets, players to watch, and then who you think is coming out. So give me give okay. me uh, give me a couple of sleepers in the East. Three sleepers. Washington absolutely think that they are a team to make a run uh, to right. beat North Carolina and get into the Sweet Sixteen. Xavier always a tough out. Oh, um, so much. Xavier always, I know. And <laughs> and George Mason. Now George Mason's probably not gonna. They're probably. I, I think they're going to beat Villanova, and they're probably not gonna beat Ohio State. But they will give Ohio State a game. They are a good basketball team, one that hasn't gotten a lot of credit this year. Um, so I would watch them. I think that they play Ohio State inside the number, whatever that spread might be. Uh, they're a good team. Um, the upsets, Syracuse of Ohio State, as I mentioned, I think Washington will beat North Carolina. Uh, experience over youth. And really, Washington's just a very good team. They're probably a comparable team on paper to North Carolina in terms of performance. But they sort of get buried out west. They've been a little inconsistent, but at full strength, they're they're a good team. The players to watch, um, Isaiah Thomas. I know it's a dirty word around these parts, um, <laughs> but but he's not the Isaiah Thomas. He's Isaiah Thomas from Washington, five eight point guard. He, he makes that team go explosive. Can shoot the three. Plays great defense. A lot of energy. Um, real fun player to watch. Um, nice. He'll be there. He'll be their leader. Two Holloway is a point guard for Xavier, uh, who I haven't seen much of, but have read things. I have. Uh, yeah, you have seen him. So <laughs> you know the kid's a player, a little undersized, but yep. he's getting some buzz for you know sort of sneaking his head into the NBA draft, maybe into the first round based on the way he's played. Uh, and a big tournament would put him over that, so he's going to be motivated. And the other player is Terrence Jones from Kentucky, a freshman, sort of a do-it-all type player. Uh, Big, strong, can handle, can shoot, can play defense, athletic, um, really a, a, a tremendous player. 
uh, to watch. So it'll be fun to watch. And, I, and like I said, I think the winner of that bracket, Syracuse, just based on their 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 two three zone and and how that's going to match up against the you know Ohio State ultimately. You know what, and and you know what, Jimmy Beheim just gets it done. I mean, we've talked about this, or we talked about this a little bit last year, Hugh, and I think it's starting to or show itself again. And and a the way the selection committee goes about its business, but also b it's a coach's game. I mean, it's it's very much to me NCAA basketball is a coach's game. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and I think certain coaches get, uh, you know, you talk about Florida before and how they're seated where they're seated, or you know, I I think sometimes. You get seated because uh, of, where, of who your coach is, you know, and, yeah. and there's tor- there's tournament coaches. You know, that's what we were saying about Lavin, right, Cal? You know, Lavin yeah. has had a ton of success in the tournament. Now, granted, they were with better UCLA teams, but still, he, he's a tournament coach. He knows what he's doing in the tournament. He's been there before. Yeah, how much how much does that factor in? I, I, that's why I, I can't see a pick like Syracuse being even remotely out there because J- Jim Bayheim just does it. He just does yep. it. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right, you know, and that's why, you know, you you look at a team like and we're jumping ahead real quick though, but the example is Michigan State, right? Uh, you know, Michigan State's my school, you know, yes. and they they had a terrible year. I mean, for, by their standards, they were picked to be in the Final Four, um, but but they're they're favored as a ten seed when they really probably should be a couple point underdog in that game. Now, do I think they're going to beat UCLA? Well, I hope so. I think they have a shot. But the reason why I think they have a shot is not because of who they have on the court. It's who they have on the sideline. I agree with that. Billy Donovan's a big player in that, you know, Florida's perception. Um, You know, the Bayheims, the Calhouns, those guys who've been there before and done it um, are definitely, you know, obviously Shusky, are going to get the benefit of the doubt. And uh, that's not to say Sad Mata is not a good coach, but he's not. He hasn't done what Jim Bayheim's done. So, you know, I think, you know, when you put – two good teams together, you can look to the coaches and say, hey, listen, you know, this team is going to be the one that, that gets it done because the coach is going to put them in the best position to, to be effective. Okay, Hubie, let's go out west and uh, find a way to get Duke out of there. Walk us through that. <laughs> yeah, that's all I, I think, care about. I think that feeling is, is, is pretty much universal unless you went to Duke. Um, well, <laughs> let's, let's, start with, let's start with some sleepers. Uh, you know, I, I noted – you know, I still think Oakland's a sleeper. I mean, I don't think they beat Texas. I don't even think they cover. But I think that if they were to win that game, it wouldn't be a total surprise because of the talent they have on their sideline, uh, they have on their on, on their team. Um, Bucknell is another sleeper. Bucknell is a solid team in sort of the Princeton mode, efficient. They don't make mistakes. They're very smart. Players. Very, very smart. Team. And, and, you know, I think the, one of the, you know, the wise guy picks that I've seen, and I think it makes some sense, is, yep. you know, Bucknell plus 10 against UConn. UConn's coming off a draining run in the Big East tournament. You've got a, a, a rested Bucknell team getting, you know, double digits um, that they can hang tight, maybe, you know, win the first half and hang in there down the stretch. So yep. I wouldn't be surprised if Bucknell gives UConn a hard time. And you know the other the other sleeper that I I didn't know, but I think they're a sleeper because I think they're and also an upset team is Tennessee. They, they, they you know they're like you know they're like what Forrest Gump said. You know they're like a box of chocolate. You have, never know what you're going to get from that team. They're, <laughs> they're 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 completely erratic. They're they're schizophrenic. But they beat Pitt this year. Um, they've been there. They made their deep run last year. They've got a lot of the same players. They've got a, a good coach, an underrated coach, and Bruce Pearl. Those are the kids. Knows how to get his guys ready, um, and and they just they just have that that look of a team who's not going to be intimidated. They're physical. They've got a, 
a great scoring guard in Scotty Hobson that you don't really hear much about. So, so I think that you could see Tennessee beat Duke um, in that spot. Now, do I think you know would I would I would I bet my life on it? No, no, I wouldn't. But I think that you, you'll be surprised by how close of a game it is, and Tennessee could really take them out there because they've been there and they've got the players who can do it. They just need to put together the best game of the season, and if they do, you know, th- that beats Duke. I. I I'm not a huge Duke guy, but if, put it this way. If Kyrie Irving is at full strength and he's playing 25, 25 minutes, maybe it's a different story because he's their best player and he's been out for so long. But I think Tennessee is the place that it can happen. Otherwise, I think Texas does it. I think Texas wins that bracket ultimately. Um, they are they are way underseeded, and based on the, their performance this year, the teams that they've beat, the Mich- Michigan State on the road, Kansas right. on the road, uh, they annihilated Texas A&M. You know they beat Tech Kansas State. I mean they they are and they were on you know they were in the preseason tournaments playing the best of the best. They are a a a, a legitimate top five team yep. playing as a four seed. Yep, absolutely. And then the other one in that bracket. Two questions, real quick, on that bracket, Hugh. Uh, San Diego State, obviously, you know, getting a huge amount of plays on the two line there. Um, and everybody, you know, there's a line from eight men out that I'm sort of fond of. Sometimes the smart money gets a little too smart for its own good. Uh, and, and I think San Diego state is a little bit of that right now. Um, I'm just, uh, I, I obviously, uh, I'm going strictly by what people say and it's all the buzz. And I, I am always very fearful because I don't watch a, a ton of college basketball of the buzz line, you know what I mean? Of, of the team that's buzzing and everybody's buzzing about uh, is San Diego, are they uh, legit too, or are they uh, overseeded? Legit too. They are a legit too. They're loaded. They're loaded with, with talent, and they're legit too. And they have, their coach is Steve Fisher, you know, a guy who's been there before yes. uh, with, the, with, with the Fab Five. So, you know, he knows his way around. And that, that bottom half of that bracket is, is easy pickings. I mean, for me, aside from Connecticut, there's really nobody who I think is going to take them out. So they do have a clear run at the eight, you know, and, and yeah, they do. Duke. No, they do. They they do have an easy run. They 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 open with UNC. Uh, was it Coastal Carolina? No, they open with oh Northern, Northern Colorado. Colorado. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Right, and then they got the winner Penn, Temple Temple Penn State, uh, which yeah, I think they just right. you know they'll just beat those teams on sheer athletic ability. Um, right. And then then you get to potentially Connecticut, and that's a tough matchup for them. Uh, but I think you, you see them in the final eight either against the, the Duke, Texas, maybe Arizona. But, but yeah, I think you see them there. I think they're legit. My other, I'm sorry, Cal, I just had one other question. Did, yeah, go ahead. Does Hampton get tired of getting its ass handed to him in the 16th seed? <laughs> like, do, do teams like Hampton and, like, you know, I, I, you just see the same 16 seeds every year getting their automatic bit in North Carolina, Asheville, like, aren't you tired of getting your ass handed? Like, why go? Yeah, I, I think it's more about getting there than it is about know. you know, know. Even thinking you're going to win that game. But I will say this: I, I don't, I obviously don't think Tampa has any chance to win the game, um, and I, I, I don't even think that they'll cover and it spreads twenty two and a half or something. But they do play very good defense, which always gives teams a chance. I mean, right. you may not be able to shoot the ball in the ocean if you're standing on the edge of a boat. But if you play defense and you try, you could do some things. You may be able to keep it close for 20 minutes. So right. if you have any interest, look for that. Look for them hustling and trying to dive right. on balls and get in front of people and, 
you know, maybe they can make things difficult for Duke for a half. Right, that's always the goofy game where you're like you're watching six games at once while you're supposed to be working, and you know, like you'd be like, oh, Hampton opened up with an eight-two run. Oh, oh, you know, huge upset in the making, and then you you go back to that game and it's Duke one hundred and fourteen, Hampton twelve. You're like yeah. so, so much for the eight-zero run, but you know yeah. it was good. They led for like almost four minutes. Like that should be that should be on the banner that they put up. You know, like it should say, like conference champions, and we led Duke for eight minutes. You know, in italics. <laughs> right, it's that's right. Fine print. <laughs> Go ahead, Cal. No, I was just going to ask you what he thought about the fact that uh, if San Diego State makes it to the makes it to the eight. They're going to essentially have a home game in Anaheim. Is that is that mm-hmm. going to is that going to help them uh, against whoever they play? Absolutely. I think it does help them. What I will say is this. I think it depends on who they play. Um, Texas is going to travel extremely well. Yeah. Um, and they're going to fill up that arena. You know, Duke will travel well, but not as well. And the smaller school, private. Um, but they obviously have a huge fan base, so they will have fans in the building. And if they were, and then if you even look at the other potential teams that sneak through there, Michigan, Tennessee, Arizona, all sort of, you know, lesser chances. But those are all big schools that they'll travel well. But I think it will help them, I mean, in a lot of ways. You're close to home. You've got your family there. You've got, you know, you've got uh, your fans there. And, and I win. think, listen, I, listen, aside from all that, I mean, it's documented that teams who are playing in their home state have, you know, have, have, have an advantage, you know, record-wise, you know, historically. I think you're talking about a legitimate – team that can put themselves in the final four, you know, you know, through their basically on their home floor. And, and that's powerful. It's not like they're an inflated two or they're a four or five or six. They're a good team. They're, you know, they, they are one of the best eight to 10 teams in this tournament. And I think that does give them a big advantage, but they're going to need it if they play Duke or Texas to our, our better teams. Nice. Now let's get over to the Southwest because, man, we are flying on time. And, uh, you know, we can always stay a little extra, uh, you know, because we're having such a fine time of it. But uh, uh, let, let's take a look at the Southwest bracket, Hugh. Uh, you know, what do you like here, your sleepers? I see you have Richmond as a sleeper. F them. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Just F yep. the five. Man, you're How's like anti, anti-810 anywhere but Dayton. Wow. Um, <laughs> rather than pulling for the conference. I I do think Richmond is a sleeper. I do like them in that game over Vanderbilt, although I've, I've read and seen a few things to the contrary from uh, quote-unquote experts um, based on a number of things, matchups uh, particularly. But uh, a team that I think is really interesting is Moorhead State. I watched them play a couple times this year. They have a, a great player, an NBA player named Kenny Fareed. He's, he's, he's uh, call him a long type. He, he's 20 points, 15 boards. Kevin Love, if you will. I mean, a guy who just cleans it up, and he, he's a first-round pick, and, and he, he's going to have an impact. And they, they press. They have a good player in the backcourt. They, 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 unfortunately, they're playing a Louisville team that will probably ultimately wear them down. But I, I would watch that game. They, they are asleep. I wouldn't be surprised. Totally, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they won that game. I still like VCU tied at half right now with USC uh, to beat Georgetown if they if they get through, and UNLV is a, is a very, very under-the-radar team. Um, I think they, they give Kansas some fits if they can get past Illinois, which I think they will. 
Um, I think they give Kansas some fits. I don't know if they beat them, but it would definitely, definitely be a tight game. Uh, ultimately, I think Richmond beats Vanderbilt VCU over Georgetown in my upsets. Uh, I watched Justin Harper. shoots 45-some-odd percent from three for Richmond. Jamie Skeen, who's playing right now, is a big man. He shoots over 40% from three and hits the boards. Kenny Fareed, who I mentioned, and Tim mm-hmm. Albert Minus from Notre Dame, 6'8", you know, shoots it. He's a very <laughs> efficient player, a guy you want to look out for. He also, sounds, he also sounds like something you get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got a bad case. The, Ab- the Abramovich. Um, Got a bad case uh, of the Abramitis. Yeah, the Abramitis. Ultimately, when it boils down, Kansas is the best team in that that bracket. Right. I think they play the second best team, Notre Dame in the eight, and I think I think Kansas gets there. Um, You know, and I'm not a big Kansas guy, rah rah, but I, I think they are the best team. So you have to sort of go down that road. Let's, uh, Hugh. We got a call. Let's take a call. Let's uh, let's see what's going on. I wanted to touch on uh, you know you were just talking about ND and and we'll get to that. But let's uh, let's take a caller and uh, and and see who this is. Hello, welcome to Ready to Unload. You're on the air with Cal and Sam Pete and NCA junkie Mike Huber. Who's calling? Hey guys, this is Craig from Ohio. Hey, what's going on, Craig? What's the word? Yeah, I just want to touch on a couple games here, man. Um, sure. I've heard a natural now. Uh, I guess you can call me kind of a homer. Um, now I'm from uh, Ohio and Michigan. I'm I'm right on the line, but I'm a huge Michigan fan. Okay. And uh, the national the national spotlight has kind of got you know kind of see can they beat Duke and everything, but uh, they got to get past Michigan first. And uh, I think Michigan's having a great year, and they might surprise some people. I'm not going to say they're going to beat Duke in the second round. But uh, Tennessee is a wishy-washy team at times, and um, when they when they get on a bad roll, then it kind of seems to go downhill. And I think Michigan can take that game. QB, what do you think of that? I, I well, I think that's right. You know what? We I mean, I completely glossed over Michigan, but I mean, the reality is is that they're a much more consistent team, and they're a better team, quite frankly. I think Tennessee on its best day is better than Michigan. But their best day is probably once every third day. Michigan plays a steady game, you know, every day. And they've been real good down the stretch. Uh, I love Darius Morris. I think they've got some really good players that can shoot the three. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan wins that game. No, I, 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 I just think that Tennessee's got the better pieces to beat Duke in the second round if they get there. Now, let me ask you, you're on the – Craig, you're on the – you said you're on the border of Ohio and Michigan? Yes. That has got to be difficult, man. <laughs> as far as who yeah. you pull for it, yeah. Dude, being and a Michigan this, fan, you know, it's, uh, I live in Toledo, actually, and they had a war over Toledo, Ohio, and uh-huh. Michigan. Way oh, back yeah. When. And yeah. uh, honestly, it's like 50-50 here in Toledo. It's like 50% right. Michigan, 50% Ohio State. Right. But uh, the way our football team's been playing, man, it's been hell living in Ohio, man, for a while. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah. I went to school uh, at the University of Dayton, Craig, so I know all about uh, what Ohio State means to people from Ohio and what Michigan means to people from Michigan. And, uh, man, you are you are on the front lines there. <laughs> You're oh, yeah. on the front collegiate sporting lines there. Well, uh, Craig, thanks so much for the call, man, and, and we'll talk to you down the line. And uh, good luck to the, uh, the Wolverines. I always liked Michigan as a kid growing up on Long Island, and uh, we were going to talk about the uh, – the Fab Five documentary, but we might have to put that off till next week. But uh, thanks for the call, man. We'll talk to you down the line. 
All right, can I say one more thing, man? Yeah, of course. All right, um, I'm looking at this uh, Wisconsin game, too. Yeah. And a lot of people are picking them um, to lose to Belmont. But, yeah. you know, I think Bel- I think Belmont's a, a good team, but the thing is I think they got a bad draw because their strength is, um, is uh, you know, getting turnovers and everything like that, and Wisconsin does not turn the ball over to us. I think they got a bad draw on that point. Which their their strong suit is uh, making another team turn the ball over and everything like that. I think it's a bad matchup for them. I think if they were playing anybody else, then it might have been a little better. But I think they get a bad draw on that. I think Wisconsin will pull through. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Greg. We'll talk to you down the line, pal. All right. Thank you. All right. Great job by uh, by Craig there, and uh, we really appreciate the call. And uh, you know he hit on uh, you know with Wisconsin. Obviously, he's a Big Ten fan. You you know so he's watching a lot of Big Ten. He sees what's going on there, and uh, he hit it. He hit on something that uh, we were just about to talk about a little bit, and that was matchups. You know, we were talk. We talked a ton about Belmont before, Hugh. You know, sometimes you just wind up with a bad matchup. I mean, sometimes you you could be an upset team, you could be an upset special. But like he just said, like Belmont gets a Wisconsin team. You know, they thrive on up uh, up tempo, turnovers, that sort of thing. They get a Wisconsin team that doesn't turn the ball over. I was just thinking about ND, you know, because we were talking about uh, the Southwest bracket there. And you know, it, it, it sometimes it's just the draw. You may you you may be the right team for the tournament, but the wrong team for that draw. Oh, there's no there's no question, there's no question about it. I mean, matchups are a huge part of this. Uh, you know, I, I, what I what I would have responded with to, to his point was. He's right. I mean, Wisconsin takes care of the ball, and that's a big part of being able to beat a four seed when you're a 13. But I think tempo is a big part of it. Um, I think Belmont will try to speed them up and can speed them up under the right circumstances. The other part of it, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking about it, is Wisconsin loves to shoot the three. That's a big part of their their offensive output. If they have a bad three-point shooting night and Belmont can defend the arc, that puts them at that puts them at risk because they're they're taking a lot of high risk shots, right? By by definition, lower percentage shots, and right. if they go cold, you open it up for a team that's very very efficient offensively. So, I don't think Belmont's dead in the water, but I do think that he, he's right in the sense that it is a bad matchup for Belmont. It's not the best if they would have played, you know. Uh, oh, Goodness, I mean, if you you play a team that you know fumbles the ball, if they, if they play a team, say like um, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Cincinnati. I don't know. I don't even know what Cincinnati if they turn the ball over or not. But you know, that, that might give them a better shot. <laughs> well, so, they should. But, but point, point, point is, is that um, you know the matchups do make a, a, a big difference. But listen, there's a lot of things to think about. You just can't really focus in on on one right. point like that because the turnovers are going to be one part of it. Yeah, well, we'd like to thank Craig from Toledo uh, for the call. That was awesome, and uh, we really appreciate it. Keep listening to the show. And uh, back to uh, the brackets here, Hugh. Uh, let's finish up in the southeast. Uh, these are taking place in Tampa, Denver, Tucson, Washington. Lovely. All lovely this time of year. Uh, <laughs> southeast. Southeast is an interesting bracket to me. That's where St. John's is. Uh, that's the Gonzaga. We talked about Florida. Uh, in that bracket, we talked about UCLA. We talked about your beloved Spartans there in the 10 spot, uh, taking on UCLA in Tampa. Uh, Hugh, uh, who do you like out of the Southeast? Uh, give me a couple of sleepers and uh, give me a couple of players to watch. We're still waiting for our Omar Samhan. 
for this year. Uh, This is a helter skelter bracket, at least up until the point you get to the Elite Eight. I I think you're going to see a lot of upsets out of this bracket, uh, or a lot of close games and a lot of thrills. ODU, you know, I had ODU, Utah State, who is a way underseated as a 12. Belmont, uh, Gonzaga, and Michigan State. You've also got Butler, who didn't get mentioned, uh, you know, and I think they're a sleeper. Um, a lot of teams can, can really throw a monkey wrench in this. Um, yeah, you, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at five teams that, uh, to me, you're looking at four or five teams that could easily come out of this bracket. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, it's, it's weird how the brackets are set up. They're really imbalanced. You look at the East with Ohio State; they're supposed to be the overall one seed, the best team. Well, they got a crappy draw. You get North Carolina, uh, <laughs> you know, Kentucky, Syracuse. You know, yep. Syracuse will be playing in Newark, which is going to be a quasi-home game if they get there. Yep. So right. then you get this draw, and you, you get all these sort of helter skelter under-seeded teams who are they're good and they have a chance to beat you, but they're sort of perceived as being weaker. It's it's a weird bracket. I think you are going to see a lot of mayhem up until the point to get down to the final eight. Um, I think Pitt ultimately wins out. But along the way, I think Utah State beats K-State. I feel real strongly about that one. I still have Delmont over Wisconsin, but as discussed, that's not uh, by no means a shoo-in. I've got either St. John's or Gonzaga over BYU, and i got either St. John's or Gonzaga over Florida. So I do think that that's going to sort of play through to the Elite Eight. But I think that Pitt, this is finally the year to do it. I think they've got enough offense this time around and enough experience to, uh, to win out. In terms of players to watch, you know, Ashton Gibbs is probably not a guy who's under the radar, but, but he is a guy to watch. He is going to be the guy that makes them go. Pit. Frank Hassel is, is a man-child. He could be the Omar Samhan. Hits the boards. Nice, boards, nice. That's Here it is. NBA, NBA body. You know, he's going to be a player in the league. Uh, Scott Connors is, is interesting. He's a big, a big man for Belmont. I think he's going to have a, a real – Sure, and trying to match up some of the size that Wisconsin has, the body they throw at you. Um, and Sackley's a guy I mentioned who I think is, is, is another guy who could be that sort of breakout guy, um, you know, like almost like a Tyson Chandler type with a little bit more offensive skill and a little bit more bulk. But when you see him, you'll think Tyson Chandler is a player. So there, there are a lot of players to watch in that, that bracket. But I think Pitt, Pitt pulls it out, but I think you're going to see a lot of great games, probably the best games of the tournament out of this bracket. Yeah, I was that that bell was what was that bell for, Cal? That was for the uh what are we calling it? The the Hubie Omar Samhan Award for the unknown player of the tournament. <laughs> You're going with Frank Hassel. <laughs> Frank Hassel. hopefully he lives up to the Omar standards. <laughs> I think uh the Omar Samhan Award uh, will be given out uh, yearly for also the guy whose name we didn't know how to pronounce or remember. Uh, and also turned out to be one of the players of the tournament. Cube, right. uh, a couple of boy, we have really done a number on this. Couple, <laughs> couple of uh, couple of real quick questions, just like buzzing around here. Um, one of them is: uh, Do you have a, a ritual in the way that you watch uh, Thursday and Friday? Is this like a, I take a long lunch? Uh, is there something special that you do? Mm, unfortunately, 
No, no, there's not. I, I've sort of been debating the idea of just marking out these two days on the calendar in advance <laughs> and, and just taking PTO, but I haven't done that as of yet. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably be like most watching the games from my computer as I try to get stuff done and then, uh, you know, try to break out early enough to get home for the 7 o'clock tip-offs. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit of overload on those Thursday and Friday. It's, it really should be a national holiday as far as I'm concerned, Thursday and Friday. I agree. You know, do away with some of those nonsense, nonsensical holidays we have to uh, observe, uh, President's Day and what have you. But uh, <laughs> this, this, this is really, to me, this is really uh, what it's all about. But uh, unfortunately, I have no uh, no special rituals to share with you guys. I I disappoint in this respect, I'm sure. No, 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 not disappointing at all. Now, I, I have another question for you. You're a Michigan State guy. You're a Michigan State alum, so you're you're a Spartan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cal and I are unfamiliar with the idea of our team, uh, our alma mater, being in the tournament every year, <laughs> uh, and and also being the the junkie that you are, the the, the junkhead. Uh, does it get old? Does it ever get old being in the tourney, or, or do you have like a special? a uh, spot where you like watch Michigan State or a special way to watch Michigan State? Mm, I, it, it definitely doesn't get old because this year we were on the verge of, of being left out, and I could tell you that that was not fun. So it never gets old, and you you sort of have the idea every year based on history that we've got to run somewhere in us. So it's always exciting, and hopefully we don't get bounced uh, tomorrow night. But um, – no special way to watch the games per se. I tip, generally like to do it, uh, watch it on my own in uh, solitude where I can concentrate and, uh, pro- you know, uh, exert my mental powers on the game and <laughs> generally curse and scream at the TV. Um, right. You but, mean those uh, mental but, powers but no can't be underestimated. <laughs> but that, yeah, they, they are underestimated. It yeah, it does. It does work. Screaming at the TV works. Of course it does. It's, it's documented fact. And uh, I don't have any special outfits or, you know, weird uh, rituals, you know, lighting candles and such. I just sort you're of put... hold myself up and scream right. away. You're going to put uh, Patrick in anything uh, Michigan State or what? Well, since tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. Works right. He will, yeah, be right. Wearing, he will be wearing green during the day. Uh, I don't know if his, his garb is – is uh, laundered at this point, but if it is, he will wear it. And uh, the, the little girl has a little something too to wear. So nice. if, if they're clean, they'll wear them to school tomorrow. <laughs> and even if they're kind of quasi clean, they should probably wear yeah, them. Well, I mean, my definition of clean is you know suspect. The smell test, right? Now, any yeah. any tip any tips for Cal who has not watched his team in the tournament in eleven years? <laughs> don't don't. <laughs> Don't get too emotional too early, you know. It, it, too late. It, <laughs> too late, right? You're already you're already knee deep in emotion. But, um, he's a mess right now as we speak. When 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 you watch a lot of basketball and you watch and you 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 happen to maybe wager on basketball here and there, Occasionally. you sort of learn that you can you can be down 15 points at some point in the first half and still make a run because that's true. Things change like that. So if St. John's is down thirty to fifteen with four minutes to go in the half, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pack it in. I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't throw my boot through the T V. I I would hold out, hope, you know, give it to say maybe, you know, seven or eight minutes left in the second half and if you're still down fifteen, then I'd start to worry. That that would yeah, be know, my advice. 
they hung in there against Syracuse in the Big East tournament. So I'm, I'm, I feel confident in their ability to be resilient if they need to be. So I, I think that's good advice to not go too crazy early. Well, that's their personality too. I mean, they're you know they're a team that 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 continues to fight even if they get down double digits. They always seem to find a way to claw their way back into a game. So even more so than the normal team, uh, I, I, I would I would say that you know St. John's is a good team to root for because they're gonna they're gonna keep keep themselves alive for a long time and they may not pull it out, but they'll be there at the end. So that's that's a, that's a good thing for uh, I think enjoyment. I, I wouldn't see a blowout. Okay. So, Hugh, just to sum it up, right, Cal, we got uh, – just to sum up your final foe, the Mike Huber, Hubie, NCAA junkie final four. <laughs> we keep we keep throwing around junkie, like very yeah, light. It's I, like – While appropriate, the more I hear it, the less appealing it sounds. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, in the East, you like uh, Syracuse to come out of the East, Texas to come out of the West, hook em horns. Uh, there are people celebrating in my in my in-laws in Texas right now. Uh, Southwest, you like Kansas? Really? Can't we do better than Kansas? I'm so. I tired. know it's really hard. It's, it's it's really hard to accept it. I took me a while to accept it as well. I mean, I think. Listen, if if you wanted to go Purdue, I think you could go Purdue. If you wanted to go Louisville or Notre Dame, you can go those. I think those teams can beat Kansas on the bottom half, but. I think Kansas is going to get there. <laughs> I'm going Richmond. How do you like that? I'm going from what I saw from them smacking Dayton around the other day in the A10 championship game. I think I think Richmond they they have pretty good size. They have a guy who can score. Uh, they, they seem to they have the uh, the the standard uh, huge white guy from the Midwest. <laughs> you know they have their industry standard guy that every team supposedly needs uh, in the NCAA tournament. I, I like. I'm taking Richmond out of the Southwest. Fuck it. I, I like a guy who swings to the fences, man. I give you credit. <laughs> and you got uh, you got Pitt coming out of the Southeast, and then our uh, is it is it Frank Hassel is our uh, our Omar Samhan player of the tor- Mike Huber player of the tournament. Frank Hassel is the 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 second annual Omar Samhan player of the tournament. Can can he do anything in this tournament to change the name of that award to the Frank Hassel Award? No way. Okay. There's only one Omar Samhan. Hugh, thank you so much for the time, my brother. This has been a, a, an absolute blast. You got anything to plug? Anything coming up? Nothing, nothing, nothing to plug. Uh, hopefully you guys will have me back next week or next year, and uh, we'll do it all again. No, we'll definitely have you back uh, next week. We'll check in on how the picks are going and stuff. And also, Hugh, you know what? We got to get you to uh, to pen a little something for the website too. You know, uh, absolutely, it, like a quick little blog entry. So look for that. I love that. Awesome. Thanks, Hugh. We'll talk to you next week, brother. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy the games. All right, Mike. Thanks, Mike, not a junkie. Clean. He's clean. He's clean. <laughs> Cal, we wow, what a number we did on the NCAA tournament, my friend. Man, I'm, well, I, I am, I am infinitely more excited for this tournament than I was 90 minutes ago. I can tell, tell you that much. I tell you what, I could not agree with you more. He has got me ready. He's terrific. To, he just, boy, really, really good, really I mean, good. And you have to keep reminding yourself he doesn't do this for a living. This is all information gathered, like. 
on a Saturday morning when he's up with his kids. Yeah, see, I feel like if there's something I don't know, I should go to him and talk to him for a few minutes, and he he'll get me pumped up for it. <laughs> you know, he just he just did such a great job with that. You know. Now you could understand why he was the the captain and the manager on our baseball team for years. Oh, I'd, I'd run through a wall for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first baseman uh, saved me probably fifty to sixty errors. I committed at least ninety. So, and he saved me. But he's the kind of guy where, like, he gets you fired up. He does. You know, you want to, you want to. I want to go play NCAA college basketball on PlayStation or something. I'll tell, I'll tell you another thing. I'm going to do. I think I'm going to revise some of my bracket that I've well, completed already. I think that's the other service we have provided here tonight on Ready to yeah. with Cal and Sam Pete. Yeah. I think I think some people's brackets uh, need to be readjusted. Now, Cal, you, you want to take like ten minutes and, and touch on anything else, or you, you feel like good like this being the the NCAA blowout show? I think I think we would we would be doing it an injustice if we if we tried to talk about anything else tonight. Say no more. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> and that is. According to Cal and myself, all the time we have tonight. This episode of Radio Remote on March 16, 2011. Cal, final unload. You know what my final unload is? We are St. John's. <laughs> We will have Matt Sloane on from Esquad, so uh, that we're looking forward to that the first of the baseball season. Good night, Cal. Good night. <laughs> Yellow.